What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to episode 26 of MacBook Pro. Now, I know it's been probably a week and a half or so since the last episode, and for that, I deeply apologize. The person who reminds me the most that it's been so long since my last episode is none other than my own mother. And the funny thing is, I speak to my mom on the phone every single day for at least 30 minutes, and sometimes we talk for an hour, two hours. It's just something that we've always done. In my family, having phone calls was just what you did. So I call my grandma, I call my mom, I call my friends. I really like that. To me, it's the the most fun way of communicating. And just like my mother, I guess I'm a glutton because I also have phone calls every single day with clients. And you would think that the last thing I would want to do at the end of a long day with clients is jump on the phone. But you would be wrong because that is exactly what I enjoy doing. So I'm pretty much talking like all day, every single day. And... I used to think that I was like fully extroverted because I get so much energy from having conversations with people and exchanging ideas. But then every single winter, I pretty much just become a turtle mixed with a bear because I eat a tremendous amount of food and I hide in my shell. And then the summer comes around And I just kind of come back to life completely. And don't get me wrong, in the wintertime, um, I'm still very active. I, I usually run a lot more in the winter, at least historically, I've run a lot more in the winter than I ever did in the summer. Um, when I was in college in like my second year, maybe, or my first year, um, I had actually come home because I wasn't continuing at my first university and I had to go to community college. And during that time, I discovered the power of running. And um, this is not going to be a running podcast, not this episode, don't worry. But yeah, it was just something that I discovered on my own because up to that point, I'd only run at school, um, mostly on team events. And I'd had a a couple of jogs here and there, but I finally like really got into it um, when I was about 18. So in the winter, that's like the fondest memory. Some of the fondest memories I have of running are in the dead of winter when there's snow on the ground and it's just freezing. And um, usually like when April and May and June roll around, I uh, I tend to take my foot off of the, the gas a bit, but this year, because of the race that I have coming up on, on August 12th, it's a 100 miler in Berlin, or 160 kilometers or so, 
I don't have that desire because the more I train, the better prepared I'm going to feel and hopefully the more uh, fun I'm going to have on the race. So what I think is like something that I'd like to talk about in today's episode is just how quickly time seems to be passing. The other day I had a conversation with my grandpa and something that I do once in a while is I will like have an informal interview with my, with certain people. And I'm not interviewing them for, you know, I'm not trying to test them. I'm not going to publish the interview on the Times, on the New York Times, I should say, in case you're not from New York and you don't know, or from the States, I should say, and you don't know the Times is the New York Times. But I'm, the, the point is, I'm not trying to put it anywhere specifically. I just want to extract useful information for myself and I also like hearing people tell stories. So I got a little, uh, like a little bit of, um, of advice the other day from my grandpa because I asked him for it. Pretty much what I, what I, what I said was, it feels like time is passing really fast. And he said, yes, it goes by extremely fast. And believe me, it gets faster and faster. I'm already 85 years old. I think he might be 86. I'm not really sure. Don't tell him that I don't remember his age. And so I asked him if he could give himself advice. What advice would he give his younger self? And I thought that it was extremely useful information. And I kind of wanted to share some of it with you. So the first lesson that my grandfather had was he felt like he could have applied himself better when he was in the Navy and when he worked for the post office. And pretty much like the lesson was don't let off of the throttle at any point. If you, if you, if you have the skills and, and you, and you have ambition, just keep going. It's much, it's much easier to continue than it is to stop and start again. So once the flywheel is moving, it just makes sense to keep applying yourself and just continue to show up because the 1% that you put in every single day to get better is going to compound over time. And eventually you're going to be really good. And he, he wishes that he had applied himself a bit more. And this was something that resonates a lot with me because I do find that it's quite easy once you've made a little bit of success or once you've like made some headway towards your goals to just pull off the throttle altogether and kind of coast. And coasting is just, to me, it's just not a viable option because when you coast, it's very easy to lose the momentum that you've gained. It's also very easy to end up going in the opposite direction altogether. So that is something that I, I really um, admired about like his self-awareness was that he was able to pull out that specific nugget of information because it's something that um, I think a lot of people do. 
you know, they reach some kind of point in their career where things are going well, and then they say, I've made it, I've arrived. And then they don't really get that much further um, over the course of their career. Now, it's not to say that every single person needs to be like this. It's not to say that this is the only way to live. Of course not. You should just do the things that make you happy. At least that's what I believe. And if, you know, chilling is what makes you happy, then chill. But in my grandfather's case, you know, he kind of had this like general theme, which it seemed like was about continuing to push forward and continuing to do the things that you love doing, regardless of whether or not you could share those experiences with other people. So the second lesson that he had was pretty much like focus on doing the things that make you happy and don't worry about what other people think. And he had a couple of examples. One of the examples was about learning to fly a plane. So I guess this was after he got divorced from my grandmother or they had just split up. He started taking flying lessons. Now, this is a natural response that a lot of people have, I think, when they go through a really difficult emotional time in their lives. They tend to be more bold. I mean, at least from my experience, tend to be more bold, tend to be more um, ambitious, and really just try to do things that are outside of their normal character, maybe. So he starts taking flying lessons, and he had gotten, I think, like, I don't know, six lessons in, so they were already letting him fly the plane. He just wasn't able to land yet, because that's what they show you in the more advanced classes. And he had started seeing um, a woman who would become his wife in the future. And he told her, you know, that he was taking flying lessons. And she was like, why are you taking flying lessons? And he was like, well, because I was thinking we could, we could rent a plane once in a while. And we, sorry if you hear my dog in the background, I'm just making a lot of noise. He was like, we could rent a plane in the future and, you know, just go somewhere nice once in a while. And she was like, I don't fly, especially not in a small plane like that. And wouldn't you know, within a very short period of time, the flying lesson stopped. So he decided to get a motorcycle instead, which is, you know, classic move. And he was really excited to take her on his motorcycle. And she said she wouldn't get on the back of it because the helmet would mess up her hair and she didn't want to be on the back of a motorcycle, which again is understandable. So then what do you think happened? Motorcycle collected dust and he got rid of it. The takeaway that I have from this is that if you want to live a really happy life, you need to make decisions for yourself and you need to figure out what it is that sparks joy and you just need to be better at expectation managing and maybe the most practical piece of advice that I can give on this specific subject is don't talk. Don't talk about doing things. Because when you talk about doing things, you kind of open them up to the world and, you know, the world in general. And something that people do very often is they weigh in 
they give their advice, they give their opinion on things, and someone's opinion can have a huge impact on your own enjoyment of something. Like, how many times have you shared something with someone? Maybe it was a goal, or maybe it was a passion that you have, or maybe it was something that you produced, like a piece of art. Uh, Not a piece of art, but like a piece of artistic creation. So like expression. And when you were showing it to the person, you felt so excited, you were getting uh, an endorphin rush. And then, or like a dopamine hit, I should say. And then once that person responds to it, maybe in a way that wasn't ideal for you, or even in a way that was like far above what you expected in a good way, it just doesn't feel the same anymore. It's almost like you've opened it up for their eyes and it somehow became like um, sullied. I don't know if that's the right word. Like it was made less somehow. It lost its value. So my belief is that when something exists within you, it has limitless potential. It can be like the most magnificent, beautiful thing because it exists within you. Um, and it's, it's almost like you're, it becomes stronger within you because you're able to kind of make it something that it could never be on the outside. The conditions are perfect inside, inside of your soul, um, for art and for literature and for goals and for ideas and dreams. Everything is beautiful when it's, when it's contained But I think once it enters the public realm, especially when it's not done yet, it has this, yeah, it has this tendency to kind of degrade very quickly. And um, that's like something that you'll hear a lot of people say, which is that uh, the resources of talking and the resources of doing are in the same pool. And if you spend a lot of time talking, you're not going to spend as much time doing because it loses it loses the the amount of satisfaction that you get when you talk about doing something instead of just doing it. And it's much harder to finish something if you've already told everybody that you're doing it. It's like when someone tells you that they are working on a book and you start asking questions and then the next time you talk to them again, you're like, how's the book going? And maybe they, even if they don't admit it, maybe they've already stopped working on it. So that was like the lesson that he had was, Um, you know, just focus on doing the things that make you happy and don't worry about what other people say. If you want to ride motorcycles, it should be because you want to ride motorcycles. It should have nothing to do with whether or not you have a partner who might want to be on the back of it. If you want to fly planes, it needs to be because you want to fly planes. And if your partner doesn't want to go on a plane trip with you, You need to be completely okay with that and just realize that there was a reason you started flying in the first place. It's up to you to to determine if that reason was for you or if that reason was for somebody else from the get. Because if the reason was for you, that's a regret waiting to happen. If the reason was for someone else, then it's only a regret if you follow through with it. Because I think you should only do things like you should only find try to find fulfillment in the things for yourself and not just because somebody else expects it or wants it i think that's a that's a road to emptiness 
in my mind. So that was his second lesson. So the first lesson was don't let off the throttle because it's easier to keep the momentum going than it is to stop and start again. The second lesson was do things because you love them and don't worry about what other people are going to say or think. And I guess another lesson on top of that, which we already covered is, you know, talking and doing are competing for the same resources and you need to be very, very careful about what you say. The reason that I have success recording these podcasts is that I just started recording them and hitting publish. So I gained momentum doing them. But in the past, I had talked about doing podcasts. I had told my friends that I was you know, interested in giving it a go and it never took off because it's very difficult to do something when you talk about doing it before actually finishing it. And then I think the third one was about, or, you know, officially the third one, but really technically the fourth lesson was about decision-making. His advice when making decisions was to really think through the decision. Um, We're talking about big decisions here. And he said, you only have two options. You either do something or you don't do it. And I definitely agree with him that you need to think through certain decisions, but I'm also a very strong believer in just doing them, just making decisions, doing it, and then figuring it out later. Now, it's not to say that that he was saying that you should be like extremely deliberate about every single decision that you make, but I think what he was saying is, you know, you really just need to like weigh things out. And my experience so far in my life has just been, I go with my gut and it serves me pretty well. When I decided to move to Germany, I just knew that I wanted to be here and I didn't think through anything really. I tried to apply through Google because I was already working there in New York and I knew that it was not going to work out after a pretty short period of time because all of the jobs in Google, in Berlin and in Germany in general required German and my German just wasn't good enough at that point. So that was just something that I came to realize. And then I started looking at offices all over the world and I was applying to offices, you know, in Asia. I think I applied to offices in South America and all over Europe and it just didn't work out. But I knew that I I would want to live in, in Germany and I think I was just kind of desperate to get out of the States. Yeah, for me, I just don't really see there being like much of a downside in making a decision and then changing your mind after you've already made it, you know, but you need to like experience it first so you can see for yourself. Because to me, one of the, one of the biggest fears I have is asking myself in the future, what would have happened if I had done this thing that I, that I knew in my heart I wanted to do? And uh, I don't want to have those regrets when I'm older. And it's kind of the, you know, the thing that my grandfather regrets, right, is what would have happened if he had finished his flying lessons? What would have happened if he had 
applied himself more when he was in the Navy and gotten a higher post or at the post office and gotten a better job and, and more money after he retired. But those are things that maybe in the, in the moment you don't realize how impactful those decisions are when you stop doing something or, or you take a, you take a turn or you wait too long and then you miss the boat. Um, for me, I just don't want to get to that place. I don't think that it's, I don't think it's necessary. I think it just, when you make decisions, all that's really required is commitment and just saying, whatever happens, I'm good with the outcome. And so, yeah, that's how I've lived my life for the past 10 years, at least. And I would say that I'm, I'm very happy about it. And I don't really have too many regrets. I think now when I think of the regrets that I, you know, that I may or may not have about my life, I think the only real regrets that stand out to me are not really ones that like I, um, that I beat myself up about or anything. I don't really have any of those luckily, but I think like the regrets that I, that I have mostly have to do with interpersonal relationships and wishing that I had handled situations differently. Like one of the regrets that I definitely have is the way that, you know, the way that I've ended past relationships and maybe the way that certain relationships lasted longer than they should have. Because, I mean, in reality, I was lacking life experience in most of those cases. Like when you don't know, when you don't know something because you've never experienced it before, of course you don't understand what it's going to feel like in the future. But I think now that I've had those experiences, um, I've had more recent relationships with people where I've definitely just made the same mistake again, rather than learning from it the first time. And so I think it's really important to ask yourself when you're in situations that are definitely like common situations. So like, you know, entering a relationship, expectation management during a relationship, um, getting into arguments during relationships and ending relationships, those are really common scenarios. And even though they might feel different because it's a different person or you're in a different place or the context is different, it's important that you ask yourself if you've already made this mistake before. For me, I don't really tend to have like a, I I wouldn't say that I have like a terrible uh, temper or anything like that. Like it's not like, I don't hold a grudge. I don't have like, you know, this like heat within me that's like long standing, but I have a short fuse. And so I tend to be very quick to frustration and very quick to annoyance. And when I think about past relationships, I know that that was a problem and I know that it still could be a problem. And I guess I just need to, like anybody else, I guess I just need to ask myself questions to make sure that I'm not doing things that I will regret. Because 
the really cool thing about asking questions is that it puts your mind into a completely different place. It removes the emotion temporarily and allows you to think through something long enough to potentially change the course of your actions. And when you ask yourself a question like, am I going to regret this tomorrow? Or am I going to regret this a week from now when I'm no longer angry? Then you can actually like put yourself emotionally in those shoes of the person that you're going to be um, tomorrow or in a week from now. Because there are certain things that I know about myself. I know that I don't keep grudges. I don't hold on to them. That means that no matter how angry I am in this moment, I need to be very careful with the things that I do and say because I could end up regretting it very, very strongly. And I just think like in general, I've had moments in the past where I said something in a relationship that looking back on it, I'm so disgusted with myself for having said that or just embarrassed or even disappointed And I'm sure that we all have these things, that there are things we wish we hadn't said and things that we wish we hadn't done. And that's the beautiful thing about being a human being is that we all make these mistakes and we are all prone to error. And one of the problems that I have in general with like cancel culture and, you know, this like really unforgiving um, environment that, that we found ourselves in, in like the late 2010s up until maybe like last year, it doesn't seem like it's as strong anymore. But one of the problems that I have with society judging others is that we judge people as though we are coming from a place where we don't suffer from the same faults in our thinking and the same faults in our action. You know, you'll have somebody who, like you'll have a celebrity that, um, you know, says or does something that's like clearly wrong, but we don't give them the same level of empathy that we would give like our best friend, if that were our best friend. Because first of all, we don't know celebrities, right? We don't know them. We just know of them. We've seen them work and whatever it is, like we've seen their movies and we've listened to their music. And I I think we kind of have this like very surface level understanding of them. But if you're not a fan of that person, then of course you have no real reason to like them. And if you don't like somebody, well, especially if you dislike somebody, it's so much easier um, to kind of gang up on them. Be like, he should have known better or she should have known better. It's like, yeah, obviously. Obviously they made a fucking mistake. But like, I look back at my own life and I'm like, holy shit. I have made some mistakes and they're embarrassing. A lot of them are just like shameful. And I'm just really, I guess I'm really lucky. I consider myself very lucky because I want to be a better version of myself. And my only, I guess like the the undercurrent of my, of my decision-making in my life is that I want to live a life where every single year, I outgrow certain things and I just become a better version of myself. And ideally in the future, I would have a conversation with, you know, nearly, if not all of my ex-girlfriends and thank them 
and also apologize to them for certain things. But the thing is, like, I know the way that the world works, and I always need to ask myself questions like, what would be the value that they would actually get from it? And my feeling is that it would be much more self-serving than beneficial to them. And that's why I will most likely just keep my mouth shut because I think like when you get out of a relationship, um, you kind of just need to like make yourself scarce and just like disappear from their life unless, unless they want you to stay. But the minute that, the minute that uh, an ex-girlfriend, if we've like decided to stay in touch after a relationship, the minute that they say like, hey, I don't want to be in touch anymore, I let it go. I just let them be. I let them live their lives. I don't want to drag people back to the past and I don't want to be part of the problems of their future. I would imagine that they continue to think about me the same way I continue to think about them. And they probably have a lot of positive things to say and a lot of negative things to say. I think that's like any relation, not any, but like many relationships that end, of course, they're not all bad. And yeah, I think that's like the, 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 the thing that makes something a possible regret is when there's nothing that you can possibly do to change the situation. That's like a real regret. So like if you have a conversation with somebody, you get into an argument with them, they're like, you know, a really close friend of yours and something bad happens to them and then you never get to apologize, that's a regret. And if you have a relationship with someone and you act immaturely or you do or say something that you wish you didn't, and then in, in the future you're no longer together and too much time has passed for you to actually meaningfully apologize, that's a regret. But the kinds of regrets that I don't ever want to have in my life is I don't want to ever feel like I didn't do the things that made me happy and I didn't actually take the steps to do big things. And that's just a non-negotiable for me. I know that my life is, I mean, my life is already incredible. And it's not like a, I'm not trying to brag, but like I, I live a life that is very much in accordance with my desires, my values, and and is very much moving in the direction of fulfillment, of like self-actualization. So what more could I want out of my life? I'm literally living my dream life and I'm moving in, in the direction that I want to go. And I guess like... I, I know a lot of people and some of them are some of them are like on the same road as I am uh, the road to fulfillment the road the road to like self actualization but I think more commonly a lot of people are kind of inherently settling and I don't mean I don't mean that they're like settling like they like they were giving up on their lives or anything like that. But I think that they make certain concessions somewhere along the way that prevent them from ever living their life to the fullest. And I've said this in past episodes, but really like what I mean is that if you look yourself in the eye or, you know, I guess, uh, What's the right word? What's the right way of putting this? Yeah, whatever. If you just like think about what you want the most in the world and then you optimize for that thing, 
and you every single day are taking steps in that direction. To me, that's like a really simple way to reach your your best life. Is just do the things that you know deep down inside you want to do. What I see a lot of people do is they have an idea of what they want out of their lives, and then they have external events in their lives that they allow to derail them from doing the things that they want to do. So examples of this could be someone who really wants to be an artist, they work a full-time job, and even though they're really unhappy with their full-time job, they continue doing it because they say that they need the money. And what ends up happening is they never actually take any meaningful steps towards becoming an artist. They just work to live. Uh, they kind of distract themselves on the weekend by not actually taking you know, their art too seriously. And instead, maybe they go out a lot and then they don't really get anything done on the art side. So what ends up happening is they end up working at a company or in a job that they don't really love and it's all in vain because when they die one day, which unfortunately they all will, we all will, they have nothing to point to and say like, this is the thing, this is the reason that I sacrificed, this is the reason that I suffered. That's the whole thing. It's like, if you don't have a sacrifice, then you're just doing things to suffer for no reason, just meaningless suffering. And that's what I always think when I see people working in jobs that they hate or doing things that they just genuinely don't enjoy or spending time with people that, that bring them down. Like if you spend time with someone who brings you down, but you you feel deep down inside like they are, you know, they have the potential to be someone great or, you had an ex- or you've had experiences with them in the past like for a long period of time and you know that they're just going through a rough patch, then by all means, stay with them, stay friends with them, help them. But if it's someone that never really brought any kind of spark or real value to your life and you just became friends with them purely because of circumstance and now that circumstance is no longer relevant and you're only friends with them because you were friends with them before and you've sunk so much time and energy into them already. That's just a recipe for being really unhappy in a friendship. And it's the same for relationships. I really do believe that as well. You know, it doesn't have to be like a transactional thing. It's not like I'm in a relationship with this um, person because they do this for me. Like that to me, first of all, that's manipulation if that's the reason that you're in a relationship with someone is that they do things for you. But second of all, that's a secondary reason that you would be with someone. Like that would be the cherry on top. If you're in a relationship with someone because you feel seen and loved and heard and spiritually fulfilled and you have the same sense of humor and you really just like see this person as like your person and on top of that, they do things that, that are really like kind, you know, that maybe are not necessary, that you don't need in order to feel seen and heard and loved, then yeah, that's a cherry on top. Like that's, that's whipped cream, that's sprinkles, like that's incredible, good for you. But if you don't have the foundation, you're literally hiring an architect to build a $5 million house in a fucking landfill. 
just don't do it. And I see a lot of people do that. And I guess like I would never give them this advice because if they don't ask for it, I don't give it. But I just think we are so much more responsible for our own happiness than we either give ourselves credit for or movies and society and the media and whatever give us credit for. Like, you know, if you if you think about all of these movies that we watch, it's always it's always cherries, it's always whipped cream, it's always sprinkles. And it's passed off as happiness. And what I mean is like movies with um you know, movies that have characters that have a lot of money and expensive cars and houses and stuff like that. Very often they uh, glorify what it's like to really have that kind of money. I think if you if you are happy and you're healthy and you feel fulfilled and you have passions and you have people in your life that you love and trust and you have money, then I think you'll be happy. But I think if you don't have those things and you just have a lot of money, then obviously you're not going to be happy. Like money is not something intrinsic. It's not something that by itself can bring you a level of fulfillment. It's nowhere near your soul, but it can definitely give you opportunities that if you are already happy and already feeling fulfilled can amplify those experiences or can amplify that feeling of happiness and fulfillment. Maybe you buy your mom a house or maybe you, you know, you pay off the debts of all of your family members. So every single person gets to start again from, from zero. Like imagine how fulfilling that would feel just to see all of your family doing better because you helped them out. That would be nice. But yeah, if you don't have like um, a personality and you don't have like real relationships and you've never really suffered and you've never really overcome something, I mean, what do you expect, right? How do you expect to be happy with just getting money? And that's the problem with these movies is like a lot of people think like, oh, when this happens, I will be happy. When what happens? When you win the lottery? when you invest in a company and you become a millionaire, when you get promoted at work, when you have kids, when you win this thing, you win this competition? No, I don't think so at least. I think you, I think that true happiness is, it's just consistent. It doesn't mean that it's, you know, every single second of the day. But I think that true happiness is this feeling along the journey that things are all right and that you're doing well and that you're content and that if at any given moment of any day things were ripped away from you, including your life, that you would feel like you got the things that you wanted and you're very grateful for having had the experiences that you've had. That's what I think happiness is. It's kind of like a long-term, a long-standing level of peace and contentment. And yeah, I think I've been, you know, I've had like 
ups and downs like anyone else. But I think generally speaking, I've been pretty happy for about a month now. And and before that, you know, I'd gone through a breakup and I'd also like made some pretty radical decisions in terms of like my career and, you know, where things are going to go in my life. And, you know, I decided I'm starting a company and I'm just going to live my life the way that I want to live it from now on. And I'm going to be my own boss with my own company, setting my own schedule, hiring employees, and delivering incredible work for the clients that I work with because I don't ever want to have to be an employee again. And when you make a decision like that, of course, there are going to be conflicting emotions. You're happy, you're excited, you're eager, but you're scared shitless and you're worried. And it wasn't until I had a conversation with someone when I like told them, you know, how I was feeling, I'd probably told like 10 people in a row, anybody that asked me, you know, how I was feeling about starting my company. And I would just say like how scared I was. And finally, like I spoke to this person and they were like, you should feel so excited. Like it's such an incredible thing. You should feel so excited. And it, it wasn't one of those like, you know, um, conversations you have with someone where they tell you that you should feel a certain way and then it makes you feel the opposite. It was actually just like a reminder, kind of like a kick to the shin, like, hey, motherfucker, you're choosing to do this incredible thing. And it's, it is scary, but it's not meant to be scary. You know, it's, it's only scary until you figure it out. And like many things, once you get the ball moving, it's so much easier to keep it moving. And that's just like the philosophy that I've been applying to this entire thing. Just keep things moving forward. Um, Have fun. Because when you have fun, you just change the way that you see adversity. You know, adversity goes from being like... um, this like impending doom that you have lurking or like looming in the shadows, adversity becomes an obstacle that you can navigate your way around. And so it goes from being like that giant rolling stone in Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, and it turns into like maybe more of like a voyage or a journey where yes, there are obstacles along the way. If you're, you know, sailing, if you're sailing in the 1800s or the 1700s, I don't know why I'm thinking of a sailing analogy right now, but like, if you think about like going from Europe to the new world, of course there are, there are, there were a lot of obstacles for people surviving, navigating the seas, getting lost, storms, scurvy, rats, running out of food, dehydration there was a lot of shit but in a, in a lot of ways the the good outweighed the bad or it, it potentially outweighed the bad and think about like how you would feel if you were an adventurer and you had this idea of where you wanted to go in your mind 
and you overcame all of these different obstacles and you finally reached the land that you were, you know, moving towards. No matter how slowly you move towards that land, you would feel an overwhelming sense of pride and relief and happiness. And it's not because you reached the place. It's because you had the journey along the way. And I think that's the same thing with life in general. The easy things are not really the things that you think about later on in life with like a, with like a smirk on your face. You know what I think about that, that leaves me with a smirk on my face? I think about how all I wanted for six years of my life was to get a college degree and how every single family member that I asked to help me with money for college, like to give me um, a guarantor signature, meaning that if we got a loan together and I was not able to make my payments, that they would be held responsible for my payments. Pretty much every single person in my family that I asked said no, except for my mom, but my mom couldn't because she didn't have a good enough credit score and didn't earn enough money for private loans. I asked family friends, Um, One semester, both of my best friend's parents helped me uh, pay that entire semester. We like they gave me like a private loan and then my mom paid them back, which I'm still extremely grateful for. Also, I'm extremely grateful for my mom who tried to help me and extremely grateful for my family who said no, because it was a journey. It took me four different universities to finally get a degree. It took you know, over 20 something applications to different universities over like four different application cycles. It took countless crying. It took countless, you know, countless times crying, countless times feeling like I was at the end of my rope. I remember one night I was in my car in a parking lot. It was raining. I was in my town. And at that period in my life, I was in a relationship with a girl and we had been in a relationship for like three years and we started dating or yeah, three years. And we had started dating during high school in my last um, year of high school. And she came from like a more well-off family from London and her parents came to like me and I came to really like them as well. And they knew how important it was that I get an education and they offered to pretty much pay for my university if I paid them back after I graduated. And I thought about it for a really long time and I ended up telling one of my family friends and he said, so if you do this, that means that you're always going to owe her parents money. So even if you guys break up, you're always gonna owe her parents this money. And that really like set me straight and I ended up saying no thank you to them even though I wanted so badly to go to Miami University of Ohio. It's a private, I think it's a private school. Maybe it's public, I don't know. But it's a it's a university um, and that's where I wanted to go. And yeah, that like tore me apart. It was my last option and I'm just sitting in this parking lot in my town in the middle of winter, sobbing in my car. And after crying, I just thought, I don't want to feel this way anymore. And I've always, I've always been like this. I just said, what's, what's a potential solution to this? Like immediately my mind went to a place of like, how can I fix this? 
and I gave a family friend of mine a phone call. He worked as the um, like the chief financial officer of our town's government, so the the municipality. And I'd already interned there for like one summer, and I asked him if there were any openings. And just so happened at that moment that the town supervisor, who's like the head of the town, like the highest level position, his assistant had just quit the week before and they were, they needed someone to fill in. And so, yeah, I got the job and it was insane. It was just like such good timing, such good luck. But that's the thing is like, yes, it was incredible timing. It was incredible luck, but I also needed to do something to make that happen. It wasn't like he would have just randomly thought about me and I could have expected that he would have reached out. So that's the whole thing. It's like you do make your own luck. The more chances, uh, the, the more times you reach out uh, to take a risk, the higher the chances are that you're actually going to get the thing that you want, the higher the chances are that it's going to be the right time. And that's the same thing that happened to me when I got the job at Google. You know, I've already talked about this, but like I'm literally like at this point in my life living in a basement of a frat house in Michigan and I'm only able to stay there for like another two months before I have to figure out where I'm going to live. And I'm working as a landscaper during the day. I've just graduated and all I'm doing is like raking leaves, coming home, not raking leaves, I should probably be more specific. Um, I'm raking leaves, I'm cleaning up properties, I'm climbing up ladders, I'm painting walls, I'm, you know, repairing things for this guy who lives in Ann Arbor, Michigan, who has like all of these really beautiful homes that he rents out to people. And that's what I'm doing. That's like how I spend uh, the summer after graduation. And I'm just thinking to myself all the time, like there's just a clock that is ticking down and if I don't get a job before the end of that summer, I'm pretty much going to be stuck somehow. And yeah, um, I applied to a ton of different companies. I even applied for this like gig where I would be living in a in a house that was an old, like it was a former sorority house that had now been converted into um, housing for exchange students from China who wanted to uh, study high, like study in a high school in, in Michigan so that they could increase the chances of getting into a prestigious university following graduation. And I was probably going to make like 15 an hour, maybe, or maybe, maybe, no, yeah, maybe like 20 an hour. And I was going to have a free place to live and I was going to have a lot of free time to do other things. And I was going to do it. I was just going to be the chaperone for like 25 kids from China, uh, 25 high school boys. And they said no to me. They said uh, they said they were interviewing other candidates that had, uh, you know, a teaching background and were probably more qualified to do the work. So that was a huge fucking blow to my confidence. And then I started interviewing um, with Google in Ann Arbor and they said no to me and I was like damn I actually don't even think I got an interview I'm pretty sure I just submitted my application they said no and then I got a phone call one day and it was from a guy 
with a thick accent and he was like, hey, this is Ben calling from Google. And I was like, this is such fucking bullshit. You know, I thought I was being scammed. But anyway, turned out to be the real deal. And I started working um, as a, I got the job as a contractor at Google in New York. And on the same day that I get the job at Google, I get a call back from the house, the house with like the exchange students. And the, the woman that I had been like communicating with told me if I wanted the job, it was mine. And I was like, hey, I would love to, or I would have loved to, but I got a job at Google. And she was like, oh, I completely understand. You should take that. And what's also funny is that I tried because I was so desperate. You have to imagine, like, I don't have a lot of money, like family-wise. Um, my mom was earning way less than, you know, the average person, um, especially in the areas that were, especially in the area that we're from. And she was barely getting by, barely able to to make ends meet. And so, like, I end up. Um, having this burden on me, it's pretty much just like a weight on my shoulders. That's pretty much saying like, if you don't figure this out, if you don't make this happen, that's it. I'm, I'm going to have to move back in with my mom. And for like a little bit of context, I really wanted to go into real estate when I first started, um, looking at jobs after graduating or like before graduating. And what I did was I sent out like a ton of emails and even made cold calls to real estate brokerages all over New York and Seattle and other places. And I probably got like four interviews and I got flown out to interviews, uh, to, to one interview in Seattle with a company. And then at that same time, I was meeting with another company, which was CBRE. And they're a commercial real estate brokerage firm. And I got an offer from the company that had flown me out and I really, really, really wanted to start there. I was going to start my life in Seattle. I was just going to live like a crazy cool life. I had already like pretty much thought it all through. And what ends up happening is they give me the job and I can't accept it because they don't pay a salary. They only pay you commission and they don't even give you like a draw, which is like a loan so that you can kind of like feed yourself and live somewhere while you're working and making your commission. And then you would pay it back once you have money. So yeah, everything was like falling apart for me up until that point. And it was a very long struggle. I started applying for jobs in February of, of grad, you know, of the year of me graduating or maybe even January. And I was just applying like crazy and applying and applying and applying. And so it didn't work out, but in the end it worked out. I eventually got a job at Google as a contractor and then I became a full-time employee. And so you can imagine like when I think about my my journey on in college and how difficult it was and how many times I cried and how many times I felt like absolute shit and then the journey of like applying for for jobs as well. Of course I feel like a crazy level of satisfaction. I'm so grateful, I'm so happy that I persevered and that I made those decisions. And that has become the blueprint of my decision-making and my goal-setting because I firmly believe that if I just continue to follow my heart and my gut and just make decisions based on what feels right, no matter how difficult it gets, I really believe that on the other end, there is going to be something that I'm going to be very, very 
happy that I waited for. And so to, to bring it kind of like full circle with my conversation with my grandfather and, and what I think a lot of other people do in general is like when things get difficult, I think it's a very, you know, common reaction to kind of pull back a bit on the throttle or not even when things get difficult, when things get, when you overcome something, like you overcome a speed bump, I think it's easy to just kind of like slow down and say, okay, I got what I wanted, or at least like this is good enough. And when you make decisions because of what other people want, it's very easy to pull back again and say like, oh, well, you know, my friend didn't think it was a cool idea. So maybe it isn't a cool idea. But I really do believe that you need to just like kind of figure out what you want and then make it happen. And it really, in most cases, is as simple as just continuing to try things until you get the thing that you really want. And I normally don't have like very serious episodes. I mean, not recently. A lot of my episodes are kind of just like jokey and I just like tell stories and whatever. But this episode is for like my future like this is like for my children, this is for posterity, this is for myself, you know, if I ever need a reminder one day that things do pay off, it's just a matter of continuing to push forward and, you know, just, it's okay to get the the wind knocked out of you, it's okay to feel like you've been bested and it doesn't mean that, that you're not allowed to have like a period of mourning for the thing that you wanted that didn't come true at that moment. But it doesn't mean that it's forever. It just means that you need to like reassess the situation and come up with like a new way to make it work. Just come up with a new solution to the problem and figure out how to make it work. And eventually I think that you'll get there. And so if the year is 2038, and my 12-year-old kid is listening to this, I just want to say to you that you should not be listening to this podcast. It's made for people that are over the age of 18, and if I ever hear that you listen to this before you were 18, you're in a lot of trouble, and you're grounded. <laughs> you're already grounded. Um, but no, actually, I'll, I'll use my Spotify analytics to see if there's anybody under the age of 18 listening. And then I'll narrow it based on their geographic location. And then I'll find out which one of my kids it is. But anyway, you know, I didn't want to make this too jokey. The point is, it's like, we're all kind of doing this thing together. We're all living together. It's really, really interesting. It's really cool. And we all have so many lessons that we can teach each other. And the lessons that I can teach you guys about are lessons of perseverance and lessons of goal setting and lessons of um, o- overcoming, you know, the odds to get the thing that you really want. And I guess like persuading people and like influencing decisions and selling and marketing and storytelling and whatever it is, like those are the things that I'm the best at and I know it. Of course, I have other skills as well. Th- those are the things that come to my mind. And 
the more that I think about this podcast, the more I see it as a way to bring together people that have unique ways of see, like a unique way of seeing the world and valuable gifts that they can enable others with. And so if you feel like you're somebody that just like wants to get to know me and you don't know me very well, or you don't know me at all, and somehow this podcast ended up, you know, in your playlist or like, I don't know, that, that doesn't even sound right. If this podcast somehow ended up on your plate and you've listened, reach out to me. Easy. Just give me a, give me a buzz. You could easily find me. My name is on the podcast. So I'm sure you could find me somehow and get in touch. And maybe we can grab a coffee. Maybe we can have a conversation. Maybe I can help you. Maybe you can help me at some point. Like who knows? But two heads are better than one. And it's so much easier to get the things that you want when you have somebody who's on your side and trying to help you. And if I can be that person for you, that would be an honor to me to to know that I made some kind of impact. So yeah, don't hesitate. If you have even 1% of you feels like it could be interesting, I promise you're not wasting your time. You're not wasting my time. I would love to hear from you. And yeah, I guess for today, it's crazy. Um, When I record episodes in the morning, I guess I'm just a little bit more serious uh, about things. Or maybe that was just today. All right. I'm going to jump off, but I hope this episode has brought you some value and I'm looking forward to catching up and hearing from you sometime in the future. I will talk to you guys in the next one and hope that you have a tremendous amount of success today. And uh, yeah, don't forget to smile. All right, I'll see you guys. Peace.